This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.
Thank you very much for those of you who are joining us here on TorahAnyTime.com live. Thank you very much. Um, I do want to give a special thank you to Anytime as well as to Shani Rosenberg and Tommy Landon for arranging and behind the scenes, as well as to Mikey Broner, Danielle Levy, and Yusuf Ellis for giving us the backdrop over here. Thank you very much, guys. Um, what's his idea? What's his concept? So, these days, people, they're scared. They're in, they're 
to me or thinking about my message, like, what do I have going on in my life? What did I do wrong? Such a heaviness about And I saw this interesting idea, this concept, that it's brought down, it says, that a person should get to know Hashem in all of his ways. And in a certain way, a certain concept, we have our ways that are bad. And that, I think, was what everybody always focused on. Oh my gosh, I'm so bad, I'm terrible. Like, you come and say, like, we don't know which I'll take the spot first. We're trying to tie in, like, the Shami that God knew into, like, our personal lives. It's, like, so complicated. Dr. Shami and Kipper. But before Gachas HaDei tells you, relax for a second. There's so many things you're doing in your life that are, like, amazing. Great stuff in your life every single day, and if you stop for a minute and you said, "Why am I so focused on all the stormy rock, all the things that I did wrong?" I'm like choking. Fine, I do speak Russian. Fine, I'm not such a great guy. Fine, guy, it's true. One second, I'm a pretty good guy, right? I do daven, I do learn. If I focus on on my asay type, on the things in my life that I actually do good, and I just do it a little bit more, a little bit more strengthened, that's part of the avoda of tshuva. Is not just being so scared, but saying one second, I'm actually a pretty good guy. Maybe I need a little bit more. If I do a little bit more, then perhaps I can become a better person next year. As many of you know, I deal with a lot of couples. And one thing that I find that's very interesting when I sit with couples, when they come to me from marriage counseling, when they go to marriage counseling, they sit down and a marriage counselor says to them, okay, what's the fight about? And the wife goes, ah, I hate this guy. He's the worst guy in the world. And then the guy starts throwing her. She's terrible, horrible. And they spend the whole time on all the negativity. Right? It's like, how do you become less negative, more negative? Who's right? Who's wrong? Fine, you're right. And they walk out. They're sometimes even more upset than when they walked in the door. Like, they walked in. They were like, you know, okay, fine. They already got over the fight. Now they just have three fights in the session because they have to, like, rehash all the negativity. And they walk out. They're like, I wasn't even upset about, about this. But, like, now I'm more upset about it. Yeah, how did you do that? And they start, like, digging up all the negativity. And what I find is when you deal with couples and you turn to me and say, listen, you guys obviously like each other. You've been doing this for a long time. You married a few years, a few months. You dated something. You have some sort of something. How about if you just start putting in some good? Whatever you're doing, do a little bit more. Just a drop more. Send a note. Send a card. Take mamish like two minutes. Focus on the acid type. And then the sore meirah becomes hard. Harder to do something bad to somebody that you really like, that you really love. If you focus on that, and you actually put in a little bit more, then you find that you're able to make great changes. What I do with couples is I often tell them, take a couple of things each day that you're going to do and you're going to put in. And then over the course of the week, you see you did 50 things for your wife. It's like unbelievable, 50 things more than you did before. And perhaps, perhaps, perhaps this day, these days, the person could walk in and say, listen, I'm doing so much already. I really am. But if I'm just going to add two minutes to my dominant, two minutes to my learning, one more extra thing, a dollar more to that, one little, little thing you can take what you already have that's good, and you can increase it. And when you do that next year, you're like, ah, that's probably the most thing that I did. It's focused on, okay, I'm a more of a heightened guy. I'm a bigger guy. And then you're not going to be so worried, so nervous, so anxious about the mate I did. It could come in and you could actually be very, very happy. Mia Ish. Mia
I think we're good. All right. So, yeah, there's a very famous, uh, a very famous joke. It's a joke part that's said over by many Hashem Rachas. We all know it says that Chassan is named Elamelech. That uh, a Chassan is like a king. How long does that last for? You know, the, the, the rage, the shmooz, the let me know, is that, a, is that a chassan is a melech as long as he treats his wife like a melech, right? As long as he does that, so then for some people, chassan is a melech, they last one night. For some people, they last two shavuotas, but for some people, it's never zaycha. And some, some, some couples are zaycha that for a very long time, he treats her the way she's supposed to be treated, he treats her the way he's supposed to be treated, and then Tasha, you have a guy, he's walking around, he's married 50 years, he's a melech. Because Lamaisa, his wife treats him the way that she's supposed to be treated. Chazal tell us a very similar concept when it comes to the Yimei Hadin. Is that when Hashem created the world, he came down and he was like Rasuach Vagan. He was walking around in Ganeda and almost like just walking down the street. He was so accessible, he was so revered. And then, Din then Adam, Nechayim, every time. People, the world did something to push Hashem away, to treat him not so much like a melech. He ascended back up to the Yachin into the seven levels of Shemayim until he stayed there. And then there were opportunities for Hashem to come back down. And we had the, when we had the Mishkan, and we had the big, you know, the Beis Hamikdash, the first one, the second one, and then we chased him away again. The Chazal say that when it comes to Rosh Hashanah, the day that Hashem created Adam Rishon comes back down. And for a little bit of time, he's around. Hamelech Bakada, right? What's the, there's a, there's a Garshinim, right? Hamelech Bakada. It's like a chorus of Hamelech Bakada. It's like a back and Hamelech Bakada. It's like Hashem is around. He's around. He's like, he's like, Taviyah as if he's walking into your house. If you want him to stay, so then it's up to you. You could keep him around during Aseris Mechuvah. You could keep him around till Sukkot. You could keep him around till Shmini Atzeres. I don't want you to leave. Keep around as long as you want. And I want to make a suggestion that I, I, I have a friend who's a kind of a wealthy individual. And he came to visit my house once. And I remember telling him something that I get headaches. I tell him I get headaches. And he goes up and he says, oh, you get headaches? That's what you drink. That's what you do. That's what you do. This and that. You got a bottle of wine. Don't drink wine. You drink a bottle of wine. You probably drink schnapps. You drink schnapps. He's like, you know, every time he came to my house, he's like dropping more and more. That's what a beautiful idea is that the Avisher is that. He's just filled with goodness. The more you bring him into your life, the more things he's just dropping off in your house. You Shadokim, you Parnasa, you just invite him in, and then he starts emptying his pockets. Oh, I'm here for a long time. Let me take my keys out. Maybe I got a new car. Okay, let me take my phone out. I got a new phone. Let me put my money on the table. The more you invite Hashem into your life, the more he becomes a part of your life, the more it starts to like ooze out all of that goodness. I want to make a suggestion, something that we spoke about with the girls share, we were talking about the idea that maybe taking a minute or two before you make a bracha, not a minute or two every bracha, a minute or two a day, we're talking seconds before you make a bracha, just to, just to, just to be aware that right now I'm speaking to the Melchizedek of Melchizedek, he created the whole world, he created generations of people to put rice, to be able to send it to your table, to be able to recognize for one split second that Hashem created the world. What a, what a concept. A person who does that, who brings Hashem into his life, all of a sudden, things in his life make a sense and start to grow.
Oh, yeah. 
Mamish by the mail, like this? Okay, there we go. Yeah, you think, you think, okay. <laughs> okay, so um, next idea over here that I just wanted to share is that if you'd ask most couples what it is that they end up fighting about, I, I, I figured out there's this little pattern, okay? And if you're married, uh, you could either nod along if you're off camera or if you're on camera, just make pretend you have no idea what I'm talking about, but You'll, you'll discover that this, uh, this idea is very, very true for most couples. There's a pattern. Okay, you ready for the pattern? It works like this. There's usually one party, I won't say which gender, that usually starts to get very busy with their life and starts to disconnect from their spouse. They get busy, they forget things, they, they don't pick up something that's on the shopping list, uh, they don't take the spouse out to eat, they don't go for walks. They just get very busy, they're making money, they think they're doing a great, great, great job because they're bringing in good money or because whatever it is that they're doing or they're learning, whatever it is that they're doing. And their spouse, in the meantime, starts to feel like that disconnect. Like, you're very nice, you're doing all these wonderful things, but if you knew what I wanted, I would want something very, very different. And that spouse usually sits at home and starts to stew. And by the time the uh, offending spouse walks in the door, they usually don't understand the language of the person who is screaming and yelling and berating them. I don't understand. What are, you, what are you so upset about? This doesn't make any sense. And whenever I speak to men in those situations, they usually say, well, would you want to connect with this? Is, is this the time? Do I want to write this person a card? Do I want to go out with them? Do I want to go and walk with them? No, I don't, because look how they're behaving towards me. And there's a a, a, a trick, a tool to break the cycle. It's called restating. You just restate what the person is telling you. When your spouse gets upset at you next time, what you should just do is just restate what they're saying. All they're really telling you is, I want to be closer to you. I want to connect to you. And forget everything that I'm telling you. Forget the, forget, forget the language. Forget the, the, the energy. Forget the passion. Forget that I compared you to your father. Forget all of that. That's not what I said. All I said was, dear, I love you so much, and I'm feeling a slight disconnect, and if you would just reconnect with me a little bit more, I would be even happier than I usually am. That's really all they're saying. You try this little trick, I guarantee you it will break a lot of cycles within the little cycles of marriage that sort of go off the rails a lot. I saw this interesting idea. I saw this interesting idea. Thank you. I saw this interesting idea where it's brought down. It says, there's a very famous song that we're going to sing in a second, Ein Aroich. Ein Aroich, the idea behind Ein Aroich is nothing is like you, Hashem. But the key words of Ephes Biltecha, there's nothing else in my life except for you, Hashem. Meaning, I understand that there's Corona. I understand that there's Corona. I understand that there are business losses. I understand that there are stressful people in my life. I understand that there are all these things. 
But Evishta, Evishta, that's not what's really going on. FS Biltachad, you are sending me a message. What message are you saying? I just want to be a little bit closer to you. That's all the message is. The person internalizes that message, so then he, he gets it. He gets marriage. He gets his relationship with Hashem. I have a client who came into my office a few years ago. He was suffering financially terribly. I, I almost never saw a person who was so down like, like this guy. He came into my office completely tzibrach. And I'm an accountant, by the way. I don't only, you know, marry a person. Guy comes in, sits down, completely broken. Millions of dollars he invested, totally gone. He was completely, completely knocked out. I sat with him for about two hours, and we didn't even talk about accounting. We were just talking about him, his life, his wife. He looked totally down. About three months later, I had to talk to him about something on accounting. I called him into the office. We sat down. He walks in, and he's bright, and he's smiley. I said, how are you? He said, Baruch Hashem, I'm amazing, I'm great. I said, how's it possible you're doing so good? There's no way that your financial situation turned around like this. He said, my financial situation is worse than it was last time I came in. He said, but there's somebody who I know in Florida that he gives a daily Amuna share, and somebody sent me this link, and every day I get up, I daven, and I listen on the way to work. I just listen to this daily Amuna thing. And I realize, FS Biltacha, Abishter, it's all you. And if I could just feel that, FS no matter what's going on in my life, forget the politics, forget everything else, FS Biltacha, then I can start to change how I feel on the inside. And then I can look different and I can feel different. And then I'll have the ability to, to, to pick myself back up. So a few years later now, this guy, Baruch Hashem, is flying high. Mamish, because of that one concept, when you're down, when you're feeling down in the dumps, it's very hard to bring yourself up. But FS Biltacha, everything is just a message. If you restate what that message is, ah, uh, ain't that right? Oh, my God. 
talking to the people across the street now. So we started off tonight saying that a lot of people come into the Yimei Hadin. Ah, oh, they come into the Yimei Hadin. Yeah, sit over here, sit over here, sit over here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right here, right here, right here. Beautiful, thank you. Maishi Enoch is here. Um, we come into the Yimei Hadin and a lot of people, they feel very down, very despondent. And we said that Person, rather than focusing on how bad he is, he could focus on the asetayv, on how good he is. And he can take some of the things that he is good at, and he could start to make them a little bit better. But a lot of times, you have a person who shows up on Yom Kippur, and he hears the chazan start saying, and it's hard to hold back from recognizing that Lamaisa it is the Yimei Hadin. It is serious. Any which way you slice it, we're standing I saw this interesting concept in Gems from the Nesiva Shalom by Rabbi Ginsberg, a very, very fascinating sefer. And he writes over there, he says that a person should recognize that after Cain killed Hevel, Kayin said, Nav and Nod Ba'aretz, I'm just going to dray around in the world. Like, I have no place for myself. It's just too much for me. I can't stand how bad I, I became. Whoever's going to find me will kill me. And Chazal say that that's a metaphor. He was saying, the Sahara, I'm just so despondent. Like, what, make, what difference does it make, anyways? Yeah, I speak Lashonara. Yeah, I get up late. Yeah, I have a hard time with Minyan. Yeah, I'm not a good husband. Yeah, I'm not a good son. Yeah, I don't call people enough. Yeah, I have all these things that are wrong with me. I feel so bad, I feel so low. But the altar Slabatka says, when a person gets up in the morning and he says the words, he should realize that those words are the kayach habechira, that a person has the ability every day to do anything that he wants to do. If you set your mind to doing something today different than you did it yesterday, you can change yourself. I had a Zoom meeting today with somebody, a very hush of a person, which I won't mention their name. And they said to me, so when we speak next year, two days before Yom Kippur, how are you going to be different and how am I going to be different? I said, what do you suggest? And they threw out a suggestion. They said, how about if we do this project together? So, okay, you got a deal. You got a deal. If you could do it, why not? It's a great time for a person to walk into Yom Kippur really every day of the year to get up in the morning and say, you invested in me. If you invested in me, that means you believe in me. The same way you believe in me, I believe in me. I know that I have the kayach today to change, to do something different, to grow, to take anything that I'm doing and to do it a little bit better. I know that I could bench from a bencher. I choose not to, 
but I know that I could. And if we take one choice a day and we change it, totally change who you are. Every single morning.
One of my most favorite concepts, something that I talk about amongst my family, my wife, it's brought down. It says that when Kal Yisrael left Mitzrayim, they left, the Mitzrayim were completely decimated. Kal Yisrael looks back and they're so thankful to Hashem, they just burst out in song, Az Yashar Moshe, Uvnei Yisrael, Sashira, Hazlais Hashem. What do they say? We see that there's a horse and a rider. It's going up and down in the water. And we all know the famous Medrash, that depending on how bad this Mitri was, that was how bad he suffered. He either went up and down very quickly or he went around like straw. He was going up and down and he was really suffering. They saw that the rider and the horse were connected. What's so exciting about that? You see a horse and a rider. They go into the water. The water swashes them away. So what happens if the rider goes flying one way and the horse goes the other way? What does it make a difference to us that the rider and the horse were one and the same? Hazal say a very interesting concept when it comes to tshuva is that there's some people who they have a horse. The horse is a part of them that's not really very good. 
It could be their phone. It could be something else that they know. It's just not good. A Jewish person looks and he recognizes, I am me and my horse is the horse. Somebody else might look at it and say, I am inseparable from my horse. I am my horse. So was looking and saying, no matter how bad we become, because we are on the 49th level of Tumah, it will never be sus I will never have to stay connected to my horse. A lot of times I speak to people who have done some very horrible things, which we won't talk about for many reasons. And a lot of times I say to them, like, do you realize that the things that you've done, they're, they're terrible, horrible, criminal, mamish, horrible things. I find that a lot of people, they minimize it. It's not so bad. It, it, no, they justify it. It's, it's okay. And then you have the people who it's the opposite. They walk around. They're so depressed. They're so down by little things. They just can't, can't deal with what, whatever they have going on in their lives. But Chazal say that there's a middle path to where the person recognizes there's me and then there's my horse. But I don't have to stay on the horse. I could get off any time that I want. A person who does that, he says, I'm getting off. He starts along the path of tshuva. I can tell you that on Tishabav, on Tishabav, for our Nava, we spoke about this concept, this idea. And I'll speak about it today again, very briefly. And I said that my email address is email at marriagepro.co. And I said that anybody who wants, anybody, if you want me to become your web chaver because you want to separate from your horse, take my email address and sign up. You realize, like, what am I doing with my life? And I can't tell you how many people signed up. Uh, really? I have the opportunity? I could change? I could do something different? You could. The first step is a person recognizing there's me and there's my horse. But that's not a, a Jewish concept. The fact that the horse and the person is one, that's not a concept. When we recognize that, hey, I'm able to make a change in my life because I could separate myself. Then a person could start along the path of tshuva.
Oh, 
So we're going to introduce this next idea, the next concept for two minutes. We're going to sing a song, and then we have the schluss to have Rabbi Turin here tonight, who's going to speak, introduce one concept, and he's over here going to pick a something to tie in the theme. Um, and then we're going to end off with one last idea. So we have three more things going, and then we're going to dance away the night because I'm not letting you guys go. <laughs> Just a short idea, a short concept. Can we get some, some keys? I love the keys. Everything sounds good in a British accent and with background music. No? You could be saying anything. You'd be like, I stopped off on the way, and I picked up onions. I, I say anything sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we all know a very famous concept when it comes to Yom Kippur that the Kayin Gadol he would change from wearing the gold on the outside when he was in front of Klai Yisrael into wearing just white when he went with Naivah Lifnim why? Chazal say so that he shouldn't be Makatrig and he's standing there and Hashem says oh I remember the Egel I remember how they abandoned me I remember all the bad things that they did and then he comes out and he puts on the gold again. That's a very interesting concept, a very push of the kasha. So then why didn't he just wear gold, the whole holy Yom Kippur? Why didn't he put on his kittel, put on his white hat? Everything that's white I'm wearing today. Things that are gold? Today's not the day for this. He goes, he's dunking and dunking, and every time he's changing in order to change from the gold to the white and the white to the gold. You don't want to be Makatrik, don't be Makatrik. Just don't don't have anything to do with gold today. <laughs> the answer is so pasha. The answer is because that's not real. What's real, Rabzaman Saraskin says, is that we did do Averis. And the gold is Makatrik. So when he went into the Kaidash Akadashim, he was the biggest advocate. Abish, I don't know what you're talking about. My people are amazing people. Abayda Zara, that was years ago. The ego was generations before. I don't know what you're talking about. Then he changed and he came back out. And he said, but Paisai, come on. You're doing the same thing again. Stop it already. He would go back in and he'd say, Abishter, no idea what you're talking about. These people are amazing. He would, he would advocate on the inside. And when he came out, that's when the Muslims started. That's when he would hint to them, guys, still going on all these years later. Reb Zaman Suratskin says he had this duality of advocating, yet at the same time, wink, wink, you know what you got to do a little bit different. When I was younger, many, many years ago, I decided that I wanted to learn how to make a split. <laughs> do not try this tonight. <laughs> it, won't, it won't work. When you're making a split, there's an interesting concept that it's almost like millimeters of gain every time you stretch a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. Whatever's further can't go down six inches at a time. You, you end up in the hospital. You can't. If you don't try, you'll just stay exactly where you are. It's like fighting a battle. Whatever's on your side, it's already yours. Whatever's all the way deep in enemy territory, you have no chance. Where's the war fought? Fought right there on the battlefront. You gain a foot, you give a foot, you gain a foot, you give a foot. I remember the night that I actually made a split. I had these little one-inch things that you, like, make the split on them, and then you slowly take one away. 
stretch and stretch and stretch until you get down to like the third one. You go for a little walk and you do your stretches and you come back and you say, okay, now the third one, I got this. Now let me push, 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 push to number two. And when you get to number two, you feel like a million bucks. You're not there. That battle until finally you take them all away, you mamish have a full split. And then you know what? It's yours. Not for life. It's yours for a few weeks. You got to keep it up then. But Misa, we're holding at a point in time, right before the Imei Hadin, where every single person has the ability to push one extra thing, whether it's being Makabal to be Mavisedra, whether it means learning a Mishnah a day, Tehillim Yaimi, Rambam Yaimi, Halacha Yaimi. Every person knows what for them is their next one inch, one foot that they could take on right now so that when you look back, like we said, in a year from now, you don't even recognize yourself. Me? Of course I do this. It's not even a question. But when a person's grabbing too much or saying everything is good, then it's not productive for growth. And to sing the next song, Tanya, one of the most classic songs, ask the island to please join in. And then Rabbi Turin is going to give out
First off, it's a uh, tremendous schus to uh, be here. Mishtatif is such a beautiful maimud, and it was worth it to come just to hear the beautiful words of physic um, from a Ruvain, and you should continue to be Mechazag Yidin, and of course the beautiful uh, band over here, the Valdika Physic.
So I'll tell you a uh, amazing story that I actually said this over before Neila. Maybe it was two years ago, so I'm not going to say it over again this year. So, Murdika story. This story is with the Panavijarov. And we know this story because it was written in a memoir of a not yet from Israeli professor. And he writes in his memoir that he was once in Rome. And he's in Rome, and he's this professor with long hair. And he sees in the airport the Panavijarov. Panavijarov is in the airport. And he says, how does he know it's the Panavijarov? Because, you know, by election time, so the Haredi vote was very crucial. So in the papers, they would have a picture of the Panavijarov. So he said if he would have been in Artisrael, he would have ran the other way. But here in... Uh, in the middle of Rome, middle of the airport, sees another Jew. So he runs over to the Panamishirov and he says, Shalom Aleichem, Rabbi. And the Panamishirov looks at him. He's not wearing a yarmulke. He has long hair. He says, Atayyuhudi. So he says, yes. And the Panamishirov jumps up and gives him a big hug and a kiss. And he's a little bit shocked. And he tells the Panamishirov, if Imharav Hayyodeya, Kama Pasheani, if the Rabbi would just know the things that I'm up to. One thing I could promise, you wouldn't be hugging and kissing me. And the Panavijarov jumps up again and gives him another hug and a kiss. And he tells him, Gavant, if you would only know how much Hashem loves you, even with everything you do, I want to drop the mic. Oh, I'm 
Yeah, good. So a few years ago, my wife and I were by a Purim Suda, and there was a gentleman there, maybe around 65 years old, and he came over and he said, do you want me to take your picture? He said, yeah, sure, why not? He pulls out this like really fancy camera, and he pulls out this standalone flash, like this massive flash, like, you know, like in the olden days, those flash, they're like, <laughs> and he says, okay, here we go. And he tells us how to pose and how to stand. <laughs> Takes the most gorgeous picture. And I said, wow, thank you so much. Um, I didn't know that you were a photographer and I didn't know that they had a photographer at this event. And the guy said, I'm, I'm not. He said, but when I turned 60 years old, I realized that I'm getting a little older. And why should I start letting myself just expire from all the things that I became throughout my life and slowly just wither and, and, and die? Every year on my birthday, I stop and I think of something that gives me a chias, that could give me a chias for the year. I take this on. I master it, become mamish like a professional. So one year was photography, and one year was guitar, and one year was art. And every year this person spends the entire year mamish learning and getting a new talent, developing it, honing it, and then he has it for the rest of his life. And he said, I do this, and it makes me feel very young. It makes me feel good. It gives me sipuk. The reason why I want to get up in the morning, other than learning and my wife and all these other things, I have this hobby where whenever I meet people who are successful in life and business, I try to get them for two minutes and just say, what's your sales pitch? What made you, you? And I have on my phone, I'm happy to share with anybody, a whole list of different business advice, life advice, like a whole list of things, maybe 50 or 60 things. One of the greatest pieces of advice was told to me by somebody who runs a very successful company. He said that when he started out his company, he started learning every aspect of the company. He did the sales, he did the marketing, he built the website. He was involved in everything from A to Z. And then as something became like easily done, he was just able to do it. He says, metaphorically, he switched it from his right hand, his skilled hand into his left hand. Your left hand is able to do very simple tasks. So you put something in a pot and you just stir and it's able to just keep stirring. Your right hand, your skilled hand, that's the thing that you have to take on next to continue building your life for your company. And he said, just remember this metaphor, your right hand and your left hand. Don't get too heavy on your right hand. Don't get too heavy on your left hand. Make sure you have enough things that are just continuing the business and make sure you constantly are looking for that, that edge, that growth, that thing that takes a little bit more skill. We could argue that maybe a lot of people, their Yiddishkeit is in their left hand. They say in, in accounting, dilly-dally. Do it like last year. Or do it as last year. You just copy and paste, change the name. It looks good. It sounds good. It looks like a financial. Not us, of course. Other people. It looks like a financial. It smells like a financial. Just get it out the door. Dilly-dally, do it like you did it last year. You put a little chachma into something, the product is just completely, completely different. A lot of people, 
They go through their lives. Most of what they do, most of their Yiddishkeit is really on their left hand. And the rest of the time, their anxiety, their depression, their give up, or who they are as a husband, it's just dilly-dally. It's just the same thing that I was last week. It's the same husband I'm going to be this week. The same way I forgot to do something for you special last week, I'll forget again this week. The same way I yelled at you last week, I'll yell at you this week. The same way I'm an absentee father, a husband, that's what I'm going to be next week. A person who's smart, like this man, he realized I'm 60 years old. I take one thing I put into my right hand, one skill, I could not only have a hobby, I could do this on the highest level of professionalism. Every person has that ability to take one thing, 48 hours. I almost want to go from this like straight into like, uh, straight into, um, you know, Kal Nidre, exactly. Like, mom, like right in. And like, could we just start? Like right now? <laughs> if a person would stop 48 hours before, just make a Kabbalah to something, one thing that for the rest of this year, it's going to stay in your right hand. And you're going to do it until you know it really, really well. It could be a Mesechta. It could be a Mida. It could be being calm. It could be being a better parent. It could be better husband, wife. It could be anything. But you put that in your right hand. The next year, it switches over to your left hand. It's not even a question. You don't even have to think about it. Of course I buy you flowers. Of course we go out to eat. Of course we have date night. Of course, of course, of course. Not even a question. And that's the key to growth. Switching off between our right hand and our left hand.
Thank you to Bensi Levy, Huda Leib Ellis, and of course, Maishi Groner. Thank you guys very, very much. I want to say you brought the house down, but this is my house, so let's not. <laughs> Thank you very, very much. And uh, Mirza Sham, I think this is actually a new format of giving shiurim. I think, I think everybody would enjoy this. No? Usually, like, you want to go to a share? Eh, I don't know. You, know. you want to go to a concert? And by the way, somebody, okay, I could handle that. <laughs> yeah, leave a comment below. Exactly. Thank you very much. Everybody should have a gemara good yar. And let's take one of these ideas, one of these things. Let's implement them. We have a few hours left till the till till the climax, till in Kippur, till the Elah. We take this on and Mitzvah next year. We could be different people. Thank you very much. Have a gemara chasimitayva, good yar. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.